In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our readings for the last number of weeks are uh, doing a couple of different things. Uh, The gospel reading, and I would say even a part of the Job readings, have been about the exercise of faith. And so the the texts have been pointing us towards reflecting on uh, faith and, and, and the kind of faith that both brings you healing and makes you whole, as well as the kind of faith that, that saves you. And so we, we have that in the back of our minds here as we, uh, as we move through these texts. And as Father Steve said to me just before the service, he said, it's, it's almost Advent, right? And so as we come into soon, uh, sooner than later it will feel, the Advent season, where we begin to think about the coming of Jesus Christ, it's probably quite appropriate that we're pointed in this direction uh, to think about faith and, and he who is the basis of our faith, Jesus Christ, who we think about in particular during Advent. But the Hebrews readings, if I could be so bold as to say, uh, are an interesting choice, I think, to align with this Job and, and the Gospel of Mark readings, because while we're reflecting on faith or seeing faith exercised in those readings, Hebrews is teaching us about the high priestly nature uh, of Jesus. And we talked about that some last week um, with Jesus as the high priest, but as the high priest, by being the sacrifice, showed the way in which we are to be servants uh, to all. And I I do hope you uh, took me up on my admonition last week to think about in particular how we can be serving people. Uh, But tonight's an opportunity for us to continue that discussion a bit. Um, and that is because we continue in Hebrews uh, and this uh, tonight, chapter 7. So chapter 7 is uh, the, this, the verses we read, 23 to 28, are doing uh, really kind of three things. The first thing it's doing is it's, it's telling us and continues to teach us about the Old Testament, nature of the Old Testament priesthood. And we, we saw that last week in last week's reading, uh, the most succinct biblical definition probably of what the Old Testament priesthood is and what they do. And then tonight's reading in verses 23 through 25 in particular uh, tells us that the uh, Old Testament priests could only offer sacrifices for each and every ongoing sin and that they themselves could only do this until they died. So it, it's returning back to something that's already stated, that the Old Testament high priesthood and the priesthood of the Old Testament in general was obviously people died. These priests were going to die. And so every time they sinned or a person sinned, the priest would offer another sacrifice for those ongoing sins. And then, of course, that priest, if you will, was only going to have an opportunity to offer so many sacrifices because he in turn would die. But then... The author of Hebrews wants us to know, but that's not Jesus's high priesthood. Jesus is a different kind of priest because he's always been alive. And that goes back to last week when the the author of Hebrews quoted from the Psalms about Christ being the only begotten son of God, right? And we confess that in the creed every week, eternally begotten. There was never a time when Jesus was not, right? And so Jesus is always alive. And of course, now with the resurrection and ascension to the right hand of the Father, which we also confess every week, Therefore, Jesus can offer the one sufficient sacrifice for all, and he can keep doing it because he's not going to die, right? So as the, high, the nature of his high priest is to offer this um, once for all sufficient sacrifice, and through that sacrifice, the text tells us, consequently, verse 25, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. And the the uttermost is an interesting word there because the author of Hebrews is not disparaging the nature of the Old Testament priesthood at all. 
He's just saying, like, that was the way that people drew near to God. It was through the Levitical system, the Mosaic law. That is the way that people were in communion with God in, in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. But now Jesus's nature, the priestly nature, makes it so that he is able to save to the uttermost, right? Because of his always alive nature, uh, because of the sufficiency, the fullness of his sacrifice, he can save to the uttermost those who draw near through him, not to him, not by him, not alongside him, but through Jesus, we are able to be saved to the uttermost. And I, I, I don't know, I just like that phrase this week, like saved to the uttermost, not partially saved, half saved, one quarter saved, but saved to the uttermost, that our confidence can be found in Jesus and his sacrifice. And we'll talk in a minute, in a minute here about the nature of that sacrifice. And it's so wholly sufficient, right? Because he holds his priesthood permanently, the text says. So the first thing is, again, the Old Testament sacrifice, the Old Testament priests were of this sort because they were humans and they were going to die. Jesus, as the great high priest, is of a different sort because he's not going to die. And then that leads the author in verse 26 to offer five characteristics of Jesus's high priesthood. And again, last week in, in Hebrews 5, right, we've skipped ahead a couple chapters, but, but seeing this is a, a consistent teaching, we had the five characteristics of the Old Testament priesthood. Now we get five of Jesus's high priesthood. First, he's holy, right? And I think that probably goes without saying when we think of it in a moral sense, if you will, or a, um, a sense of um, Christian growth. Like, yes, Jesus is holy, but, but holiness means more than that in the biblical context. It always means set apart for use. It's just like this credence table. We set it apart, right? We, we, we will now have to bury this credence table one day when the time comes when Adam and I are long gone and, and our great-grandchildren say, that table's just broken. It can't be fixed anymore. And we don't even know who made it anyway. And so, um, you know, poor James and Adam won't care. They'll be in glory. But that's what we do with sacred things. We have to bury them or burn them if you, if you didn't know that um, because they've been set apart for God's use, and so we can't just uh, take them and use them for any old use anymore. And so this, Jesus is holy. He's been set apart. He was set apart. That's the very nature of the mission of Jesus, right? When he is sent to earth, incarnate, eternally begotten Son of God, incarnate in human form, he was set apart for a sacred mission. So Jesus is the holy high priest, set apart for this purpose. He's innocent. That's getting more to the sinless nature of Jesus, that though he was a man like us in all ways, yet without sin, he was innocent, he was sinless. That is not true of the Old Testament priest. They would have to offer sacrifices for themselves, not just for the people, but for themselves. When they offered a sacrifice for the sins of all people, right, on the Day of Atonement, that was their sins included as well. Jesus, on the other hand, never offered himself up for himself, right? That's why he could be both priest and the sacrifice, which again, we'll talk about in a minute. So Jesus' high priesthood is one of holiness, set-apartness, his innocence that he was sinless, unstained. And again, similar to innocence, but perhaps this might mean something like free from moral or spiritual defect. It's not, it's not that he just got through life without sin. He was free from any kind of moral or spiritual defect. And and so he's unstained, he's unspotted, and that's important because, again, when, when Jesus is the sacrifice himself, it needs to be a proper sacrifice. It needs to be the unstained sacrifice, right? It needs to be 
It needs to, to match the standards of God's law, and that is to be unstained and set apart. And then we're, we're also uh, told that uh, he separated from sinners, right? And I, I think what that might mean, and one commentary said, like, that means that our ongo- ongoing sin has no effect on Jesus, right? The fact that you and I continue to sin does not affect Jesus in his high priestly nature, because his human nature is now totally transformed by the divine life, right? When he is called up to sit at the right hand of God, his human nature, which again was like ours in all ways, has been transformed by the divine life, that though he is still in human form, Jesus is not prone to sin at this point. He's not resisting the urge to sin anymore. Our ongoing sin and the ongoing nature of sin does not affect Jesus. And then finally, he sits at the right hand of God. He is exalted above the heavens. And that's the author of Hebrews again picking up on Psalm 110, verse 1, which he had quoted back in chapter 5, that Jesus is at the right hand of God. Where is this high priest? Like, let's find the high priest to offer the sacrifice. No, he is at the right hand of God. That is where he sits. That's where he offers himself. If you will, the, the right hand of God is the altar on which Jesus continues to lay his life on behalf of our sins. And then verse 27 is where the author of the Hebrews moves, I think, into really the climax of his teaching, the point that he really wants to make. It's like, okay, there's, there's something about the Old Testament priesthood, and that is, is they're going to die, so it's not a permanent sacrifice. They have to offer it again and again, and they sin and we sin, so therefore they would have to offer the sacrifices over and over, and over again. But, but Jesus, right, he, he's not like those Old Testament priests. He's different, and, and he's holy, he's innocent, he's unstained. Uh, our sin has no effect on him. He's exalted at the right hand of God. And then in verse 27, and I'll read that for us again, he has no need, the author of Hebrews says, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all, when he offered up himself. Right? This, I think, is what the author wanted to get to, that Jesus is both the high priest who offers the sacrifice, and he is the sacrifice. Right? And it's a self-offering. Jesus willfully offers himself up for the sins of humankind, he is not coerced into doing this. He is not, there's no deal being made between the Son and the Father, if you will, that Jesus came to earth and humbled himself willfully, voluntarily. He took on the form of a servant, we're told in Philippians. And, and, and now that he has done that, when it came time to go to the cross, when he set his face towards the cross, and if you remember, we read that moment in the Gospel of Mark, right? He he does, the, he, you know, a lot of Mark at the beginning, about half of it is Jesus doing these things and saying, don't tell anyone who I am, don't tell anyone who I am, don't tell anyone who I am, right? Then he does that kind of half healing with the man who's blind, right? He, he kind of half heals the man, and what do you see? Like, oh, trees. Like, no, actually, let me finish the job, and that's people, right? So, I mean, again, we're not, don't need to talk about kind of that half healing or why Jesus does it in two steps, but from then on out, he begins to talk about his death, that he's going to Jerusalem to die, And that's because he decided to go to Jerusalem. He is choosing to travel there to to be sacrificed. And we see in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus saying, if there could be a way for this to pass, that would be great, Father. But if not, your will be done. 
right? So Jesus offers himself. So he's, he's the priest and the sacrifice. His is a self-offering, and it's done once for all. Again, why is it once for all? Because as both the high priest, he, he has those characteristics that we just talked about, that, that he's a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He, he is able, he never is going to die, and so therefore his sacrifice is once for all. It's permanent. The work that it does, it always does. And again, he is both the gift and the giver. And there's an important implication that comes out of this teaching for us. And I think it comes out in two particular ways, or at least tonight I will focus on two different ways. So again, let's, let's get our mind around the fact that Jesus is the sacrifice, as well as the one who offers the sacrifice. He's the great high priest and the Lamb of God. And he does it not because he's been coerced to do it, but because he offers up himself. And in this offering up of himself, we root all of our salvation theology in that, right? That everything flows from that about the way in which we are, are saved to the uttermost, right? It's, it's about Jesus' offering, that there's nothing insufficient in his offering. But as gift and giver, two things come out of that. The first is that the sacrifice of Christ is unique. It cannot and does not need to be repeated. It's unique. It's done, again, once for all. Yet, it is made present to us in each and every Eucharist. We are not re-sacrificing Jesus each time we celebrate the Eucharist. Is it a sacrifice? Yes, we say it is. I say it is as the priest in the liturgy, but we are not re-sacrificing Christ. And I, I promised you last year that I, I don't know if I, but well, I promised myself that this, this Monday, Thursday of 2019, I was going to teach on the sacrificial nature of the mass. So I'll save that for then. Maybe I didn't promise you that, but in my mind, I promised you that. And so there it is. I've now made it public if I haven't already. And so to think about it as the as the, the, the way we talk about sacrifice. But again, Jesus' sacrifice is unique, so what we do here week in and week out is not adding to what Jesus has done. It's not subtracting from it either. Jesus' sacrifice is wholly sufficient, but we make it present in the Eucharist. So think about the Eucharist and as the opportunity. It's, it's many things, but it's an opportunity to, to literally have that moment of seeing the way in which Jesus has offered himself up for us. Right? When Jesus gave the, the bread and the wine to his disciples, this is my body. He's offering my body. He's offering himself to his followers. This is my blood of the new covenant. He's the one doing the offering. We are simply... Um, um, you know, making that present now by using as closely as we can the words of institution that Jesus gave us, or at least recorded for us, in particular in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So again, although that once for all sacrifice has been done, what we do makes it present to us each and every Eucharist. So lest you think we're doing something that adds to what Jesus has done, we're not. We're just, again, making present that one offering. The second thing is the one unique priesthood of Christ is also made present to us through the ministerial priesthood in such a way as not to diminish the uniqueness of Christ priesthood that you call me priest that I have been set aside by God and ordained to the office of the priesthood does not diminish from the priesthood of Jesus Christ. 
I participate in the priesthood of Jesus Christ, but yet we, we all participate in the priesthood of Jesus Christ in the ways in which God has called us to do that. But when I or Father Steve stand at the altar and offer the sacrifice of Christ on behalf of the church, we are standing in the place of Christ. We are making his high priesthood, again, that, that uh, has happened and continues to happen because Jesus isn't just a once-for-all I mean, it is a once-for-all offering, but I mean, it's, it's not like he did it in the past and now it has these ongoing effects. Jesus' offering is always, it's ongoing. His offering of himself is continual. And so, so Steve and I represent Christ to you in that way when we offer the Eucharistic feast on your behalf. And again, you've heard me teach this. This is why you must say the amens. Right? This is, this is your way of participating in the liturgy. This is not a show. It would be a bad one if it was, at least with me as the celebrant. I mean, it's not a show. It's not, a, it's not something we stage. Right? Instead, it's what we do out of obedience to Christ. And your responses are your way of being involved in that, of exercising your share in the priesthood of Christ. And, and Steve and I exercise ours by being the, the presiders, the celebrants, if you will, in the liturgy. And so I can't, you know, say it more clearly, nothing about our priesthood diminishes the role of the laity. But at the same time, we should not mistake the roles of priesthood and laity, right? That, that God has called Steve and I at this point, and maybe a host of others in this parish, uh, to be priests in his church. And so we have to live into that calling. We have to live in to what God has done. And so when we celebrate at the Eucharist, when we, when we offer absolution, when we, when we hear confession assure you of your, God's forgiveness by absolving you, we, we do that on, on behalf of Christ. We do that because we participate in the priesthood of Jesus Christ. And this is what the author of Hebrews wants us to see, right? That there's this ongoing effect of the work of Jesus Christ, that we do not think of Jesus' self-offering as something he did back there on our behalf, but instead we, we bring it into the present at all times. We bring it in the present to, not because Jesus needs to be re-sacrificed or that his sacrifice was incomplete, but we bring it into the present by way of the Eucharistic table in order to make explicit the work that Jesus has done. And so this is a sign that you've been saved to the uttermost if you come to God through him. And so in other words, the Eucharist is also a moment every week for us to recommit ourselves to the calling of Jesus on our life as believers, right? We don't have to think as like, I got saved at this point, but we can think about the way in which we are being saved at all times and how each Eucharist is a reminder of the opportunity to celebrate that work that God has done to, for us and, and, and done to us for that matter. And so as we begin to point ourselves towards Advent, because Father Steve is right, it is going to be here soon. As we begin to point ourselves towards the gift of Jesus Christ in the form of that baby in Bethlehem, we also have the opportunity to, to think now about the other end of the story, which of course is always also there in the beginning, that, that Jesus, as the adult who offered himself as the high priest, has affected and made possible our salvation. And so please, this evening and every evening as we celebrate the Eucharist, say those responses, say them heartily. Exercise your priesthood as Father Steve and I exercise our ordained priesthood. 
But mostly let us do this because it points us to Jesus, the great high priest who has offered the sacrifice of himself once and for all. And as we do that, be assured that we draw near to God, reminded that we are saved to the uttermost. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.